Hello, and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers, the Story Screen Presents podcast where I, your host, Mike Burge, it me, I'm the only one that hosts this podcast. I think someone hosted it at one point in the past, but we might have deleted that episode, neither here nor there. I get together with a friend, and we talk about movies. Could be one friend, could be two friends, could be one movie, could be two movies. Who knows? The numbers could go up. But today is a very special episode, as they always are. I am joined today by longtime Story Screen Presents superstar guest host, Tim Irwin. Hello. Hello. How are you, Mike? I'm doing okay. How are you, Tim? I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm ready to go talk about some 90s superheroes. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about three movies today that are... Uh, mm, sort of inspired or uh slash ripping off uh batman 1989 uh we are starting a um a th- this is going to be the first part of a three part mini series exploring the superhero or comic book adaptation major hollywood films that came about throughout the 90s that were directly <laughs> kind of inspired by the success of Batman 1989, Tim Burton's Batman. I know that seems like a lot of specifics to kind of toss into like a think piece miniseries, but that's what we're doing. And um, this first one is going to be an absolute doozy because these are the three that really kind of have the most to do with Batman 1989. Um, but before we start breaking into all of that, I uh, just wanted to thank you guys for listening. And remember that at StoryScreenBeacon.com, you can sign up for our newsletter and get all the tasty treats and all the fun content and other podcasts that we have. This is not the only show that we have on Story Screen Presents. There's loads of other ones like Cat the Raycast, which mainly covers TV shows and hot takes, which covers mainly newer movies. But on Overdrinkers... We like to have a couple drinks and talk about some of the oldies, the goodies, the goldies, as we like to call them. And um, other than that, uh, that's really it. If you guys are listening to this episode, this first episode is going up exclusively on our brand spanking new Patreon channel. Uh, So if you're listening to this right away, as soon as we've recorded it, thank you so much for your money. We really appreciate it. We won't waste it. Um, Other than that... Let's do a little catch up here real quick. Um, Tim, What's you've up? got a different background than I usual do. back there. Uh, it looks like you're in front of a staircase, like a yes. wooden yeah. staircase or anything. Usually you have kind of just like a plastered wall with a bunch of Christmas lights behind and you. What, what, what's, what's going on? Uh, I may have become a homeowner. Uh, no. I've, I've made a deal with the bank. In this economy? In this economy, yeah. I did, I looked for like two years, man. It was miserable. <laughs> no, I remember been looking for a long time. Me and you were like kind of uh, uh, bashing off of each other because uh, me and Diana have been looking for a home as well for quite some time. Yeah, about And we put that on the back burner for right now because we are at a bad place to buy a home. Not that there's a good place to buy a home in this luxurious state of New York. But yeah, uh, you better sh- places you struck, than others. You struck gold. Yeah, uh, you know, it was a long time. The deal almost got uh, scuttled a couple times because of some some bullshit that happens in 
not all closings, but some closings, which just happened to be mine. Yeah, they uh, want to shake your pockets out a little bit. Yeah, and then um, and then also I had a month long trip to New Zealand that I thought was going to be after my closing, but it ended up being before. So hey. as I was, you know, negotiating some things from you know eighteen hours ahead, uh, but it wasn't too bad. I just had to make a couple of Venmo payments or whatever. Um, Technology. Yeah. yeah, I was. Yeah, I just woke up and you know. Made a payment at 8 a.m. and went back to sleep or something. How was uh, New Zealand? That, that was, was not your first time. My second time, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was great, you know. Um, it's a little bit more chill this time. I was still a little scared of COVID, if not for my health, but for uh, the fact that they are still pretty string- uh, stingy about um, if you test positive, you have to self-isolate for like, I think it was seven days or 10 days. Mm-hmm. And I was getting like, especially towards the end when I was in Wellington and Auckland and I was like, you know, had the option to go out and mingle a little bit more as opposed to just like hiking in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I was getting a little bit more paranoid about like getting sick and then having to spend like three grand to adjust my entire uh, return. Yeah, because it's not, you're just like, oh, well, I have to go home. My flight's tomorrow. And they're like, well, no, you have to stay here now for like seven to 10 days. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so that wasn't ideal. But, um, you know, I I had a bush, pl- a bush flight where they flew me into a valley and I hiked out for four hours to catch a, catch a jet boat on the way back. I uh, slept uh, in a, in like a, a 12 person bunk hut. Uh, or I think it's like 24, but it's like 12 and 12 person bunk hut for Christmas Eve and Christmas, uh, on a mountain. That was sweet. It was a good time. It's a beautiful country. Everyone should go. I mean, I'm, I'm just so proud of you for that. That's good. <laughs> I went to the Weta, I went to both Weta tours cause they got a new Weta tour. They got the old Weta That's, tour. Cause, cause you went to the Weta tour the first time too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Went to the one in Wellington and, uh, this time they drove us by, um, well, they pointed out where Cameron's house was, which is like across the bay. And then they drove us by the big, uh, big lot where they had the, the tub where they were shooting all the water stuff. And I guess they, like, you know, they, a little tidbit that they found out like Sigourney Weaver can hold her breath for like six minutes, <laughs> like underwater. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, with those lungs, am I right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, a that phenomenal was phenomenal cool. actress. I respect her very much. Yeah. <laughs> And then, then we did the, um, there's a new one up in Auckland that I did as well. Um, that's a little bit more like geared towards a family, uh, experience. Like it's not quite as, um, nerdy. It's a little bit more of like a, a ride almost like a, like a theme park sort of tour sort of thing. Um, but it's still that's very cool. cool. Yeah. It's kind of like a Jurassic park kind of tour. It's yeah. Like, well, you kind of go through. through. Yeah. yeah. It's just a little bit more like theatrical. They have like a it's not just like here's the workshop, here's some some props for you to play with. This one is like, ooh, you know, there, there was a premise to it. There was a story that was being told in the tour as well, um, which is a little bit more of like a a family thing. You take your kids to do that and they all have a good time. It was so cool. I, I liked it a lot, but it was just different. I like the more nerdy, like boring tour. Not And it's not boring, but it's it's the more nerdy tour in, uh, I in mean, Wellington. I mean, you're Story Screen's favorite nerd. You make like little models. Yeah, I do. And you play video games. I was so stoked to, to come back. On the computer, nonetheless, which is like the nerdiest way to play video games. Well, I play on Xbox. I'm not a computer guy. You don't? No. I, 
you got to pick up your nerdy game, man. I thought you were a computer nerd. No, I can't. I can't be uh, replacing my hardware all the time. I like to just buy a console and then I'm just locked into those graphics for like five years or whatever. I don't want to have to chase <laughs> settings and buy new cards and all that shit all the time. No, I mean, I, I figured like that would be something that you would fall in love with. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, I get to do this. I get to do that. I get to change that out. <laughs> I generally hate maintenance I'm, uh, of, of most kinds. Well, I'm so happy that you bought a home, and <laughs> well, I'm sure that that will turn out to be fantastic for you. <laughs> Woof, walked right into that one. I Thank did. you so much really for that. Did. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some movies. Uh, first off, uh, as always on Over Drinkers, we uh, pair this episode with a uh, cocktail or beverage of some kind that is uh, just made just for... Um, the movies that we are talking about. And today, the movies that we are talking about are Darkman, Dick Tracy, and The Rocketeer. And the cocktail that I have designed is inspired by The Rocketeer. So it is a play on the classic cocktail, uh, which is an aviation. And I am calling it the Rockahoo, based off a joke from the movie. Uh, pause for laughter. Everybody's laughing right now. I just want to make sure that they don't miss this. Yes, do it again. And it is, um, again, it's a, a playoff of aviation. So it is um, the, it is, is gin. The more floral gin you can get, the better. It's going to kind of bring it out and kind of get rid of the lavender kind of stuff that you would need from the creme de violette that is not in this. So it is gin, vodka, luxardo. Orange curacao and lemon juice. You shake that bad boy up, you strain it, put it over big ice cube, and cheers. So uh, cheers to you, Tim. Cheers, Mike. Enjoy. Mm. That came out way better than I thought it would. And it I thought too. it'd be and I thought it'd be great. And so it's just like fantastic. You're a genius. Ooh. Uh yeah, so we are talking about Starting this series off, we're talking about nine films throughout the 1990s that are in some way comic book film adaptation inspired by the success of Batman 1989. Now, when Batman came out in 1989, it was a gangbuster. That movie made so much money. It kind of built the first big franchise that Warner Brothers was like really kind of messing around with that they would really utilize going into the 90s. Um, and the style of Batman is really where a lot of these movies kind of took their took the things that they really wanted from that movie and kind of put it into their projects and what they wanted to do, whether it be Danny Elfman scoring it or the kind of retro gothic uh, makeout or like the matte painting kind of, uh, you know, like way that you, you, you're able to kind of like, how do you create like a, a comic book panel, take a comic book panel and put it on the screen in live action, use matte paintings and all the different kind of inspirations that you can get from like what those comic books looked like. Um, so I, honestly, before we even break into these uh, first three, I think it's kind of important to talk about Batman 1989 real quick. Mm -hmm. um, uh, famously directed by Tim Burton, uh, that movie absolutely rips. 
it is a very good movie. And it looks insane, and no movie ever looked like that before. And besides, you know, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, that was really kind of the first big, like, global phenomenon superhero film adaptation movie to come out. And it was serious, but also funny, and had major star power with uh, Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton, Mm -hmm. and took the world by storm, and... It's kind of not surprising that every single other studio would be like that. Ching ching, yeah. Let's do something like that. It's kind of like the when when Louis C.K. did like the the show Louis. Anybody else that ever like any other stand up comedian that like hit a film or TV show dealer was like, I want the Louis deal. Yeah. I want that and like every series that was like or rather every like tv studio or film studio that was hiring on like a kevin hart or any other kind of like up-and-coming stand-up comedian that they wanted to launch they were like we want a louis we want a louis your ass you're mm-hmm. still doing stand-up but you got to do like voiceover work on a bunch of stuff you have to do a cartoon at some Maybe point a semi-autographic graphical show exactly yeah. yeah so they wanted all of that so that's kind of like the the legacy that leads up to what we want to do here. And we've been talking about doing this miniseries for a bit. Yeah, I think it was last year, maybe even before that. I think it was first before. Texted. Yeah. Yeah. Where it was like, you know, we could do like these like movies in the 90s. And I sent you like a couple and then we finally finalized it down. Like what would be the nine movies that we mm-hmm. could do to like kind of round off like three episodes, three movies per but we've been talking about doing it for a little bit. Yeah, we have. Um, and, you know, it was nice. to. It was uh, I love an assignment. Uh, so <laughs> it was fun to, fun to watch these three uh, or four because I, I watched Batman 2. You always give me three. And then you you know how to get me as a gamer where you give me an optional task too, yeah. like an optional objective. Would be a good idea like, if we also revisited. Yeah. yeah, right. So which is I actually... Batman is a movie that if you asked me had I seen it, I would have said, yeah, I've seen it. But I don't think I had ever, as an adult, sat down and watched it from beginning to end. You know, it's just one of those ones that, like, you just absorb through osmosis. Like, you know what it looks like and you know a few of the set pieces enough to be like, oh, yeah, I've seen Batman. But then I actually probably had not in, like, you know, 20 years. It's a good movie. It is. (laughs) It's pretty good. good. I'm glad you watched it. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, especially if you front-loaded how important that was to the whole series. I was like, oh, geez, I mean, I'm it, glad it, I did watch it, yeah. <laughs> I feel like everything's going to... I'm going to rewatch. I think I'm going to rewatch Batman 1989, like, every month. Okay. For each of these to, like, still try to, like, bring the, the, the threads back to, mm-hmm. like, what it is. Because in, like, uh, designing it and, like, looking at, like, oh, these are the superhero comic book movies that came out in the 90s. Which of these are the ones that are kind of, like, retroactively connected to the Batman 1989 phenomenon. And it's fun because like these three movies that we're about to talk about, they also start to branch out. It becomes this kind of thing where it's like, well, you know, is Spawn actually connected to Batman or is it more of kind of like a dark man adjacent to, you know, the shadow kind of thing and also the success of that comic book itself in the 90s. Like, where, where does that come from? I forgot that Spawn was on the list. Spawn's on the list, Spawn. baby. Yeah. <laughs> Violator. Yeah. A little poopy clown. 
Uh, but no, let's get into it, man. So the first movie that we're going to talk about is Darkman. Okay. Uh, 1990, uh, directed by Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you heard of him. Yeah. Uh, starring Teen Heartthrob, Liam Neeson, uh, Teen Heartthrob, Francis, Francis McDormand, um, and Larry Drake, who could have been a teen heartthrob, but he just kind of like peaked too soon. I don't know. Uh, Darkman is a phenomenal movie. Uh, it's kind of like a VHS classic. Uh, I feel like a lot of people know Darkman from being on like TNT and stuff yeah. like that, like way back in the day. Like a lot of people, especially our line. age, didn't see it in theaters or anything like that. I certainly didn't see it in theaters. I was four years old when it came out. <laughs> I My parents were not taking me to go see Darkman. Um, it's a shame. And some of the big things about Darkman that are like directly connected are some of the most obvious. Like this movie was pretty much like put into production before Batman even came out. Um, studios were looking at what was happening with Batman and they were like, okay, comic book movie. All right. So what's another comic book? And that's the thing that we're going to keep getting into is that a lot of studios didn't understand that what made Batman 1989 so successful was the character of Batman and that (laughs) Batman is cool and that that's why it works. They were like, well, no, we'll just like grab one of those other comics that like were like back in the thirties or forties or whatever. Darkman's a little different. Darkman, the comics like actually started much later than that. It was much, it was a much more recent character, but it kind of like had the same feel to it. And it's a much easier costume to develop. Yes. Yeah. Just some rags. It just kind of seemed like they were like, well, we'll just kind of shoot it in that same kind of fun way. And we'll have Danny Elfman score it. And the score sounds almost exactly like Batman. Uh, it's kind of a mix between Batman Returns and Batman. Because, like, there's a little bit of, like, the penguin, like, in there. Uh, but uh, it's Darkman, like, overall, like, just at its front, like, you can really see that all they all all they wanted to do with this movie was capitalize on what's about to happen the year before with Batman 1989 coming out. And then we're just going to grab onto that and jettison it and be the exact same thing. And the movie is banana silly. It is. It's and it's got like it's so it's so much Raimi. There's so many like just like the weird angles and your like your uh, practical montage sort of special effects uh, like the goopy the goopy hands and everything. There's a lot of that. Um, the it's fun. Well, it's funny that you bring up like Batman is good because the character is good. Like, what? Who saw Darkman and was like, "That's the one that we need." Like, yeah, I'm gonna dress up he, like Darkman for Halloween. He's a he's an ugly, burnt freak who's also crazy. Like, like that's who? Like that's not who goes like, on like a murderous ramp, like revenge rampage. Yeah, that's not Batman. Batman's cool. <laughs> this guy is not cool. I don't know. I mean, was their pick? Look, Liam Neeson. First off, he's very tall, and yes. he's very big, and he's got this voice that 
sounds like he's going to kick your ass at any moment. So it makes sense that they would get him in there. Uh, notoriously, uh, Sam Raimi, uh, you know, noted director uh, at this point of like the Evil Dead franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to get his boy Bruce Campbell in there, but studios were like, Bruce Campbell, what? The guy from Army of Darkness? Why would we do that? And Sam Raimi was probably like, I directed that movie. And they're like, yeah, cool, whatever. Um, but Bruce Campbell does get to pop in does, at, at the, the end. end. As like the, <laughs> that yeah, was great. The last little disguise. Um, yeah, the, the movie overall, like as what it's so funny watching this movie now, like removed over 30 years from like now any comic book can be made into a movie. At mm-hmm. this point, it, mm-hmm. it genuinely seems like, or at least like a TV show. Darkman is really like this, what an easy premise to like communicate. It's like, right. they're just like, oh, this is how he got his superpowers. And his superpowers are very. Pretty mild. Mild. Yeah. yeah like they're, he can't like, feel pain. Uh, and he's got a 3D printer. A man after my own heart. Well, that was the whole time I was watching it. I was like, Tim's going to love this. Well, dude, the one scene when he's like reconstructing his face and it's like 500 hours remain. I was like, yeah, that's me. Like when I put a printer, when I put a a model into the printer and it says like, you know, it's going to take 20 hours to print. I'm like, yep. All right. That's I know that. I know how it goes. Liam. (laughs) Five hundred forty two hours to completion. (laughs) Yeah. Do you ever yell at it? Uh. When it fucks up, yeah. It's, I've been having, again, maintenance problems with the printer. It's being very annoying. I've had uh, to replace some parts. Yeah, I had to replace, that. I already replaced like the, this one whole thing, uh, but then uh, something else messed up now. It's very annoying, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it'll it'll fail on me, and then yeah, I'll yell at it. Um, uh, yeah, Darkman, uh, a brilliant scientist. Mm-hmm. That's how we start. Uh, a man who like seems like a genuinely like okay dude, but like a little unhinged. Like yeah. already at first, like even when we're first introduced to him before he gets like all dark manned, he kind of seems like a weirdo. He's like, you know, messing around with 3D printing, which is never a good sign. Big red flag. <laughs> and he's just like super consumed with his work. And mm-hmm. he's got this like super hot Academy Award winning uh girlfriend and he's like will you marry me and she's kind of like absolutely not like that's the vibe at first in Dark yeah Man. like she's like, kind well, of let's like, talk about it later mm, sort I don't know of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh played by francis mcdormand who i don't know if you know this uh sam raimi the coen brothers and francis mcdormand were roommates really they were roommates oh. um and Francis McDormand notoriously is married to Joel Cohen mm-hmm. uh, and is in a lot of Cohen Brothers movies. And when Sam Raimi kind of got the gig to do this big studio movie, Francis McDormand as a friend, like kind of chipped in and did her part. Um, she has said that she hated <laughs> making this movie. Because it really is like a damsel in distress, like yeah. kind of movie. Like, there's not a whole lot she for her to do. No, not really. She, she, but it <laughs> it does have that amazing fade. You know exactly which one I'm talking about. Like when it's a, 
the 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 fire uh, blows up at the warehouse, and then it like, goes from her like staring up at the fire, and then just superimposes into her at the funeral. Oh yes, that, yeah. yes, yes, <laughs> that was a good one. Yes, that was a good shot. It's yeah. the magic of cinema, right there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and then there's also the amazing scene, uh, which I saw on Twitter. Uh, it was making the rounds on Twitter a month or two ago of um, Liam Neeson uh, trying to win the pink elephant yep. and going crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Take then fucking she's, elephant. She's horrified watching the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and he bends that guy's finger like completely. That's the okay. Yeah. That, that whole like 15 seconds of that movie is just like, here we are. This is. Why we come to this is why Nicole Kidman comes to the movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is it right here. There's just so many bonkers Raimi shots in this. It's just yeah. I mean, like, and it's one of the most interesting things about Darkman, and that I noticed like on this rewatch is that all of the seeds for one of arguably the greatest superhero movie ever made. It are seated right here. I mean, this is Sam Raimi directing, Bill Pope cinematographer, Danny Elfman scoring, and a major studio just letting this crazy madman just do whatever he wants to make a movie right. feel like a comic book. And that's Spider-Man 2. Like, that's... It's the same lineup of, like, behind-the-camera, like, guys. And just, like, 10, like, uh, ten plus years later... They pulled it off. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting contextually that Sam Raimi is doing a cash-in on Batman, which which Batman kicks off a whole wave of superhero movies, and then they die down, and then Raimi kicks off, arguably kicks off the MCU by doing Spider-Man. Yes. It takes, you know, it takes 10 years for it to happen, <laughs> but, like, that's the first spark of, like, another superhero movie explosion. Yeah especially spider-man 2 like spider-man 2 is when they went hold on a second wait could you do this like you just put like a different bad guy in there could a hero save us and that still works because like batman and robin kind of ruined superhero movies like for a while where it's like well you can't just like bring in mr freeze and poison ivy People don't want that. They want the Joker. Come on. Like that kind of thing. So it was always like this kind of push and pull on like, what do major studios think is going to work for major audiences? And that wasn't ever really perfected until Avengers came out in 2012. But Mm -hmm. you're right. Like Spider-Man 2 and X-Men kind of coming out like, like kind of like comparing those to like Daredevil and all those other like mm-hmm. superhero movies that were coming out at the time, they were like, wait, what if we hold on? What if we just do this and like kind of turn that and like, no, leather suits are good, but maybe just tweak it just a teensy bit right there. Like Spider-Man two was the, the big, like kind of like ground zero of that where they were like, uh-huh. so it's just one bad guy and the same superhero, but the superheroes going through some stuff. Hmm interesting Hmm. make it look like this uh, make it exciting but like don't take itself too seriously i feel like that's a thing that kind of happens in like the early aughts with superhero movies where like they're kind of taking themselves too seriously and people are like losing it like daredevil takes itself too seriously the ben affleck daredevil like there's like a lot of goofy campiness to it but it's kind of 
but it's undercut way. by how serious it is. So, yeah, you know, because if you lean into the camp, that's fine. But if you have something that looks campy and is goofy, but you have everyone playing it straight, it's sort of yeah, it, yeah. And I feel like the the campiness of Daredevil, like it is there. There is a level of camp, but I'm not exactly sure how much of that was intentional. Mm. You know, like there's there's moments in it where you're like, well, that's obviously camp, and they meant it to be that. But then it's also just like, well, now this person's murdered, and um, this person doesn't <laughs> like this person because they think that they murdered them. And it's like, mm, shit, mm. we're doing this now. <laughs> I haven't seen that one in a while. I'd have to refresh. I just, I'm, you know. I mean, hey, when we're done with this miniseries, if you yeah, want, just like keep going into go the right odds of like thousands, yeah, yeah, anti like uh, major studio uh, or rather like ex- anti extended universe stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Daredevil, yeah, like the Electra, yeah, pre MCU, Electra, yeah. what a movie, yeah, they really had Garner doing those. Um, but yeah, uh, do you have anything else on Darkman? Uh, let me check my notes. Yeah, yeah. I know you always get you always bring the notes with like a some with some good sparks, some good <laughs> sparks for conversation. Uh, oh, you know what? I really loved the. Uh, all right, well, all right. My two notes clearly: Sam Raimi, guy raised on Looney Tunes. There's like so much yeah. like great like slapstick like sort of choreography and and stunt sequences. Um, and I, I really. It made me a little nostalgic watching the bridge helicopter chase stunt sequence because yeah. you just you don't get those anymore, man. I I really it's all miss practical. That. It's fun, right? It it's great. they're all on a they shut down a stretch of highway for however long and they just fucked up traffic with a helicopter for six hours or however long it, t- it took to get that shoot with pyro and stuff and you just don't get that anymore and. I think the last like MCU movie to do that was maybe Winter Soldier. They had like a, a fun bridge bridge sequence. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there have been any other ones. Like Spider Man did, but that was all like backlot CGI, like super. And I I'm I love practical. I also love CG when it's good. I'm not I'm trying not trying to be like totally. Yeah, beat the dead horse of like everything should be practical, but <laughs> it's just it's nice when you get that and it and it looks good I mean, and fun. I'm of the minds of like, if you can make it practical and it makes sense, do it. Yeah. You know, like it, 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 it's a highway. Yeah. Find one. Right. You're Disney. (laughs) Yeah. Buy it out for like three weeks. It's okay. They'll re-divert traffic. It'll be fine. Like, no, it's easier if we just like put everything on a screen fix it in post (laughs) use the right tools for the right for the job that's all you know they're all just tools in the artist's uh, toolbox just pick the right one what was the other note that you had uh i'd love the um i i just love the bobber those those bird bobbers were so big and then they disappeared from the cultural uh oh yeah you know i mean those were also big in alien yeah which i always thought was fun that like a movie that came out in 1979 when bird bobbers were like a big deal. They're like, bird bobbers are still going to be around <laughs> yeah, in the future. Like, years no, in the future or whatever. They're yeah. not. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was, that was just a fun, it was like, those are so ubiquitous for a while. And then now they're, who knows what a bird bobber is? Does the zoomer know what a bird bobber is? You said is? bird bobber and I didn't know what you meant at first. I had to like connect it with Darkman. I was like, oh, that's right. That's what those were called. 
the, I don't know what they're called. Like, maybe it's bird bobber. I don't well, know. Fuck. Well, then you tricked well. me because now I think that they're called bird bobbers. <laughs> but just the gimmick with the lighter. That's a good gimmick. I love I love a good gimmick like that. Also makes no sense. That thing would no. never have the pressure to put no. down <laughs> push down a lighter. But you're like, yeah, this is like, lo-, like you said, it's like Looney Tunes rules. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it. all three of these movies that we're talking about today are fucking silly putty movies like it's insane like the where batman 1989 like really tries to play it straight Mm -hmm. all of these movies copycat that but also really don't know how to grapple with the silliness of comic books like yeah batman 1989 at least had you know frank miller had already been doing some stuff in the 80s to kind of like bring batman like like grounded and make it mm-hmm. kind of realistic and like oh he's a yes, he's a bad man he wants vengeance like that he's kind of pathos. thing yeah. all these other ones are just like hey is a guy with a rocket and he's, he like kills he like hit, punches nazis and like arrests like criminals and stuff and like yeah make a movie out of that well yeah if they all all of these movies take a different approach to like how to honor the source material of comics and how much they want to bring that in visually and how much they want to bring it in. The pulp is always there. And like, I mean, Batman 1989 like has a bit of pulp to, I hate that I keep referring to it as Batman 1989, but I feel like if I just say Batman, I feel like I'm talking about the character. Right. Right. (laughs) It's hard. Um, the film Batman, uh, like there's a level of pulp there that is just like so singular and isolated and perfect. And that's why that movie was so massively successful and launched all of this stuff. Whereas with even dark man, like the pulp in there is just kind of like, it's Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi's bringing the pulp. He's just like, again, a man raised on Looney tunes. And he's like, let's make this kind of like a cartoon. Like, what can we do? Yeah, it's not necessarily like I I wouldn't necessarily know that this was comic book inspired unless I, you know, unless I read up on it or read that comic. Yeah. And I feel like this movie and its sequels have kind of like they've become even more culturally impactful than like the Darkman comics themselves. I mean, that's just me speaking from my experience. But like when somebody says Darkman, I think about Liam Neeson just wrapped up in bandages like i i never read the comics i'm Uh not too familiar with like the storylines of them they must have been before i was reading even like in the even in the 90s when i was reading comics like my parents would take me to the shop and i'd buy whatever had wolverine on the cover or whatever i was only reading like x-men and and marvel stuff really and maybe i'd see like a savage dragon somewhere in a uh in one of the bins but i never remember seeing seeing dark man uh dark man never hit my radar as a kid that was never i think it was much smaller than most people kind of give it credit for which Mm -hmm. makes it even wilder that that was like we'll do this pick yeah we'll do this one just have man in the title yeah it was yeah, right. Any, Batman, anything with man, dark man. Yeah, yeah. They're the same guy, right? They're both fighting for what's right. I think. I don't know. They're both psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, let's uh, let's 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 bounce over. Let's move on to a much more fun didn't, movie. Before, didn't you mention there is a segment when we were done with the movie, or are you? Oh, that? thank you so much. I had that. Yeah. 
piece of tape here too and i completely forgot about that yeah we want to do uh all right so letterboxd the famed app Mm -hmm. uh has an amazing thing if you scroll all the way to the bottom of a movie like so we're going to look up dark man scroll all the way to the bottom they have a similar films category and under that you have an all themes and nano genres and if you click on nano genres we're going to pick the first two uh, nano genres in the first category and briefly discuss. Okay. So the first category is titled Villain Stunts Vengeance. Okay. And the first movie, unsurprisingly, is Darkman 2, The Return of Durant. I love that. I love that title. I've never seen it, but I remember I looked it up or I was looking up Darkman and that was in the suggested and just like the return of Durant is such a funny it's just such a stupid name. They're like, here he comes, he's coming back. Durant. Have you, have you seen Darkman 2, The Return of Durant? No. I have. Oh yeah? What yeah. Do you, what do you think? Not for a very long time. Couldn't tell you a goddamn thing about it. <laughs> Who knows? Somehow Durant has returned. I know that there is like a kind of switcheroo of like, oh my goodness, I'm about to crash. Oh no. And he jumps out like that kind of thing. Oh, they do just, something oh, like that. I the think. overpass yeah. he jumps out? Yeah, they do something That's so like that. That's so lame. Yeah. Um, do you know the name of Darkman 3? Uh, die, Dark Man, Die. I saw that one, yeah. Pretty I didn't, good. I haven't seen it, but yeah, again, uh, great title. Good. Guess what the next movie in this is. I don't know. Well, I, I thought you were going to guess uh, Dark Man 3, which would uh-huh. make sense, but it's not. It's Batman Forever. Oh, okay. That's the one with Kilmer? That's the one with Kilmer, which I feel like me and you have talked about before on a podcast. I think you did, because I think you were talking about the Arnold line, uh, Ice to meet you. No, no, that's the... Batman and Robin. Oh, okay. Well, that's shit. the George the Clooney Kilmer one. one. Oh. The Kilmer can... one is uh, Jim Carrey, Tommy oh. Lee Jones. Two-Face, Riddler. Alicia Vikander. Silverstone, but that's a funny joke. I think it's a funny joke. I was, I, sorry, I was, I was too, I was in recall mode. I was trying to get, I don't remember this movie much at all. They all kind of blend together. Batman that, Forever? That's not the nipple one. Well, Batman and Robin is most notoriously known for the nipple one, but it's uh-huh. Joel Schumacher directed both of them. So okay. the first emergence of the Batman nipples was Batman Forever. A slight bump. Yeah. Yeah. He, okay. he was just like, just kind of put it in there a little bit. <laughs> yeah, They're not? much more prominent in Batman and Robin. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I don't really have any opinion. That's another one that is is much like 89, where uh, I am saying that I saw it, but I I was probably a child. I couldn't couldn't tell you much about it. I like Batman Forever. I think it's well, yeah, okay. You did the show, the whole series with Robbie, so you have you seen did. these. Yeah, no, yeah. I've se- I, I've seen all of them, and I watched Batman Forever like pretty recently too. I think I watched it last summer. Because mm-hmm. uh, I finally got it on glorious VHS and popped mm-hmm. it in. It's amazing. It's got some very good commercials before it. Advertisements, oh, as we call them on VHS. I love watching a, a 90s movie with the commercials. Or like a, 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 dude, a MST3K streams on YouTube that had commercials <laughs> in them. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Thank you very much for reminding me about that. I have this piece of tape here mm-hmm. that was supposed to remind me of that. And I... Couldn't even figure it out. Anyway, 
We're moving on. Dick Tracy. Oh, okay. Dick Tracy. 1990, directed by this guy, Warren Beatty. Mm-hmm. Might have heard of him. Starring Warren Beatty. It's also starring Warren Beatty. It is um, produced by Warren Beatty. Uh, Surprisingly, he did not uh, write it. Uh, It's written by Jim Cash, who uh, writes a lot of movies and quite possibly could be Warren Beatty. I'm just saying. (laughs) I am just putting it out there. Uh, Also stars uh, Madonna. Mm Mm-hmm. Al Pacino. Yep. And the ever enigmatic Charlie Corsmo. Is that the kid? That's kid. Yeah, okay. Who's Jack from Hook, which is oh. what I always think of. He's Jack from Hook. Got it. Um, loads of other character actors in here, like William Forsythe is in there. Uh, Dustin Hoffman pops in. Seymour Castle. Dustin uh, Hoffman, yeah, that's a crazy one. Yeah, yeah. Mandy Patinkin is in there. Uh, Paul Sorvino. Yeah. Loaded cast. Uh, this movie is very similar to Darkman. Danny Elfman did the score. It sounds mm-hmm. exactly like Batman. They just kind of change a tempo or something. Mm-hmm. Instead mm-hmm. of it being like, it's more just kind of like, a little bit more adventure adventure yeah they just give it like a little bit of like an indiana jones twist yeah uh this movie is a masterpiece nightmare yeah this movie's disgusting mike (laughs) it's terrible Uh, no no i don't mean terrible in quality it's a really fun time to watch this movie i think yeah but give also, me your thoughts before I give you mine. Give me your thoughts. I all right. I the it's I, it's like I don't know maybe ice cream for dinner sort of problem where absolutely like, it's it start like it started off and I saw the matte paintings and I was like oh wow that's great and then like I saw the guys in the colored suits I'm like oh yeah just like comic book ink that's great and then as it stretches on I'm like and I get more and more facial prosthetics like in every scene I'm like I don't get this over with i don't want to watch this anymore (laughs) it's vile it's disgusting stop it (laughs) do you not like the the prosthetics it's so insane dude it's like well it's like the hobbit or all right if yeah that's what i mean like go on is lord of the rings dick tracy is the hobbit whereas batman you have one facial prosthetic and you're like wow look at that that's great you have gimli they really put their time into that and it makes yeah. sense and works <laughs> and then dick tracy is is everybody has this fucking shit on their face and i have to look at it every scene <laughs> just like all these stupid fucking hobbits yeah and everybody looks like a deranged like early 90s indie cartoon yeah or they they all look like um like uh, the Mario Bros, the the '90s Mario Brothers guys, they all look like that. <laughs> the exaggerated like cheeks and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gross. I yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this movie uh, looks in- looks insane, and I mean that in both a positive and negative way. Like it, yeah, the like the like again like the matte sets in this thing are radically insane like anytime there's like trains moving Mm -hmm, that are mm -hmm. obviously not real even today like uh you know 33 years later i'm like how'd they do that that's insane like it looks so cool it's like that kind of that nice meeting of like 
like physical and CGI. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's it's clearly animated, but it's not in a like the map paintings aren't distractingly animated. It just sort of works with the world. Yeah. But at the same time, it kind of makes it feel like a play. Almost, like it kind absolutely of, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it's kind of like it's like stage setting. It's like yeah. oh, no, this is like the decoration around this thing. Like specifically, like uh, earlier on in the movie when uh, Dick Tracy goes and like follows kid to like this weird shed. Yes, that he's staying yeah. in, and like you get this big like gigantic view of like the city and this like little quarry with this little shed, and you just see like a person running into it, and the person's real. But you're like, what else here is real? Yeah. And it's like, the answer is like none of it. Like like the shed is like kind of like cardboard and stuff like that. So they can shake it around later and they keep cutting back out to it. And it's this is like one of the coolest looking movies I've ever seen ever. Yes, but also no. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's what's kind of fun about it is like half of this thing looks like the most like well like put together like set design and decoration and just like this combination of decades and decades of like just like design work and like how do you make things like work in cinema and light them and also this groundbreaking new wave that started popping up with like either stop motion or matte paintings and all this different stuff and then also you have like uh what al pacino looks like (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> where you're just like, wait, did you guys have to do that to Al Pacino? Which I'm actually happy that they did. Like in hindsight, I'm happy that Al Pacino looks like that in this movie because it kind of gives me all of the memories that I have mm. from watching mm-hmm. the movie. And Al Pacino, <laughs> like, what do you got? Ah, oh yeah, he's just like egg shaped and just like with that, like, like every. It's and again, it's interesting how much you want to draw from the comics as inspiration visually. So you have the sets, but then they're also like, okay, well, in the comics, everyone has a weird fucked up face because that's just how it's drawn stylistically. How much do we want to pull that over? And they're like, as much as we possibly can. It's just we, like we must. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like we're we're uh, with Al Pacino. We're two years away. From Scent of a Woman, where he finally wins his Academy Award. Uh-huh. But he is nominated for, for Best this? Supporting Actor in Dick Tracy. No. You didn't know that? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, that's Do awesome. Do you know that Dick Tracy won three Academy Awards? Uh, what did it do? Visuals? I mean, they're all visuals. Yeah. What are, okay. What have we got here? We got a... Best art direction, which hell yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Best makeup, which I mean, hey, uh, they did their there's thing. a lot of it. Yeah, it's, it's in there. And then uh, they won a best original song. Okay, uh, yeah, the sooner or later by Stephen Sondheim and Madonna. Well, yeah. look, Suicide Squad won an award, so. I mean, look, the Academy Awards are not the end all be all. <laughs> yeah. They're just more like the fun last. Oscar thing, you know, they're they're, they're yeah. the last award season right. show for us all to like Super Bowl it up. And you can't deny the visuals are great. And I mean, you know, they they're they did some really cool stuff it's with the visuals. Of, it's an amazing looking movie. It looks insane. Yeah, 
Every yeah, everything is very purposeful. Like, he, why is he chained to a red boiler? What boiler is red with like yellow panels on it? None. But they, they did. What it. detective just wears like a yellow hat and yellow coat? Like that that doesn't make any goddamn sense. You can just spot him like immediately. Yeah. And all right. All right, Warren Beatty's involved in this so much, it had to be a passion project for him, right? Yeah, I would assume you would know these things. These are the facts that I come to Mike for. Is, oh, my is God. Do you not know Warren Beatty's connection to Dick Tracy? No, I saw that he... I looked okay. on IMDb, and I saw that he played him, like, three times after that in, like, yeah. things he's also produced. So he's got to be obsessed with this character. So, uh, Warren Beatty... The quick version is uh, Warren Beatty uh, signed on to this project to play Dick Tracy. Multiple directors were involved. Uh, Martin Scorsese was involved. John Landis was the first one. And the reason that that fell apart was because of what happened on uh, the Twilight Zone movie set. You know about that. Killed some people. Yeah. Uh, It it happens. (laughs) You know. Uh oh. Um, Martin Scorsese was involved for a bit. Um, God, who else? There was somebody that came real good. Oh, Walter Hill. Okay. Uh, Streets of Fire, Walter Hill came really close. And he kind of wanted it to be way more serious. And Warren Beatty wanted it to be more the movie that you watched kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and so Walter Hill dropped out. And this was like back in like, 82, 83, early 80s. Oh, okay. So this was in in hell for a while. And so in 85, uh, randomly, out of nowhere, the Dick Tracy rights just became available. They Mm -hmm. were just no longer owned by anybody. And Warren Beatty swooped in and grabbed him. Okay. And to this day, Warren Beatty owns the rights solely to dick tracy (laughs) which is why we have two extremely weird dick tracy quote-unquote movies that have come out in the past 20 years he did like an interview thing uh like in like uh the late aughts i think yeah and then just recently he did like a zoom meeting uh which was like tracy zooms in and it's just like (laughs) It's it's insane too if you haven't seen it. Like you no, you should I, watch it. You I was too crazy now. I didn't want to think about it. yeah. Buddy, highly recommend. Well, all right. So that cut yourself my... some like cheese, get some okay. crackers, light <laughs> a candle, pop a bottle of wine, and just sit down and just really enjoy it. Uh-huh. Okay. Um but specifically with Dick Tracy 1990. You know, he bought the rights and he was like, whoa, I'm in full control now. I'm a producer. Warren Beatty is a notorious control freak. And he was just like, all right, I'm going to be the star, the producer, and fuck it. I'm going to direct it. Here we go. And that's why that's how we got what we got. And um, the movie was a massive success. I don't know if you know. Really? Yeah. No, I I the movie was I think it was the ninth it was the ninth highest grossing movie of 1990, which 1990 is no schlub of a year. There was a lot of movies in that year. It was the ninth highest movie that year. Again, it won three Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the first movie that Warren Beatty directed after 
the movie that he directed that won him best director at the Academy Award, which was Reds. Yeah. So it's like the movie like kind of had all this like power behind it. And it looks like it does, which I think is like the funniest thing in hindsight is like, oh, this guy like spent like 30 years being this like sex symbol and this producer and this writer and this like huge Hollywood icon. And he finally got to this point where he made this move, this three hour plus epic about like Russian politics and he won Best Director, and then he just goes into isolation for six years, and then just comes right back, and he's like, "I'm making a Dick Tracy movie." This and then all it checks looks out. Looks like it does. It's this this all checks out. This is. I, I just want to do my thing. I love Dick Tracy as a child, and I want to uh, have my my midlife crisis and, and bring and, and pour myself into this thing from my childhood. That's, yeah. that's everything about this. Like just, this is this a is movie insane passion project. This is a movie made by a man who is unafraid. <laughs> just yeah. like point blank. Like this is, I have nothing to lose. You can take nothing from me. <laughs> I'm warm baby. And I'm doing this. I love how chili. Let's talk about chili real quick. How much chili is involved in this movie? Did you notice? Oh, eating chili? Like just chili. Yeah, the food chili. No, I, I didn't notice. It's that. what they're eating every time every they're at the diner. Is they're eating chili? Every single time they're at the diner, he's yeah. eating chili. And then there's like a shot of him like warming up like a Looney Tunes style can of chili. That's just like a red can marked chili. <laughs> like is that that has to be from the cut from the 100 right yeah. that he's eating chili but yeah why okay. would you do that if you weren't a psychopath <laughs> that's all right so all right my other question yes. is it it was never gonna star anyone else if it's if it's Beatty's passion project but why is he doing Harrison Ford the entire time? I mean, that's Warren Beatty's thing. Like, Warren Beatty's super old by the time he's making this. So he's kind of trying to, like, hearken into that, you know, who's the big guy right there at that time? And, like, the late 80s, early 90s is uh, the Jack Ryan run of Harrison Ford movies into The Fugitive. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like, all right, well, I'm old. But so is Harrison Ford. How come he's successful and I'm not right now? And it's like, well, because Harrison Ford's like super charming and he's a badass and he picks the right movies and he doesn't produce, write, direct and star in them. He just <laughs> fucking stars in them as an actor. I mean, Warren Beatty's like a uh, like God bless the man. I would love to give him a handshake. And that's probably about it. I don't think I'd have a lot to talk to him about. But he's a notorious, like, sociopath. Like, he's intense. He's a Mm. control freak. He needs to be, like, involved in everything. Um, There's this movie that he made. I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, What was it called? Like, High Top or something like that? It's essentially the movie that destroyed his career within a week of coming out. (laughs) <laughs> it's one of the last movies that he had. Town and Country. That's the name of the okay. movie. Uh, 2001. 
So the second worst thing to happen in 2001. <laughs> um, and it's like him, Diane Keaton. I think Goldie Hawn, Goldie Hawn's in it. Uh, and it's just like this devastatingly terrible performance okay. that Warren Beatty is doing that, you know, it's Warren Beatty. Guy's been around for like 40, 50 years. This, this is Warren Beatty. And he's literally just showing up and just like mocking the job every single scene. Just <laughs> fucking no. phoning yeah, it no in yeah. in a way that you're just like, what are you doing? And that's like the whole thing, like, it's funny that you bring up Harrison Ford because I've been watching that show uh, Shrinking that Harrison Ford is on right now. Um, oh, it's Apple, right? It's on Apple, uh, mm-hmm. and it's a very good show. It's really funny. But the best part about it is that Harrison Ford looks like he's genuinely having a good time. Oh, that's and interesting. And he's clocked the fuck in. Really? Like, he's clocked in. Like, he's not just, like reading the lines, mumbling through, doing his Harrison Ford thing. Like sometimes he's embarrassed. Sometimes he's high. Sometimes like he's acting. I and thought he was done. No. But yeah. It's so I'm like, I, I have become so much more excited for the new Indiana Jones movie because of watching shrinking. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is right after he shot Indiana Jones. You can tell. Cause he's like in peak. He's like, he's like in peak strength. He's looking good. And he's just like having a good time. I'm so excited for the new Indiana Jones movie now. What about the Yellowstone movie? Is that out yet? No, what's it? No. So Yellowstone has like, what is it? Like 1885, 1925 yeah, or whatever. No, it's like 1889 or something. Something yeah, like that. Harrison Ford That's a TV show. Dench, I have right? not watched that. It's a TV movie, I thought. I think it's There's a TV a movie like with him and like Judy Dench. I think it's like a no, no. It's a it, it's definitely a series. Okay, I, I'm not familiar with the Yellowstone extended no, universe. I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I'm it's uh, it's a mini series that might be picked up for a second season. That's kind of like a flashback to the Yellowstone universe. Mm. <laughs> the, which the YCU? I don't know, man. Like I everything's falling apart. You can't really keep track of it anymore. But look, Warren Beatty shows up. Look, if Warren Beatty shows up on either Yellowstone or any of its many planned spinoffs, then I'll watch it. Okay. Yeah. Because As Dick Tracy. I, I mean, he has to at this point to be able to keep on. To you really need to watch uh, Tracy zooms in. You really need uh, to watch that thing. Yeah. Man. I'm sure it sounds like it's going to be um, uh, something. I mean, are you a red or a white guy, like wine wise? Uh, I I don't really drink wine, but I would do I would do white normally. White, yeah. Get yourself a nice Pinot Grigio, chill it overnight. Uh huh. And just just have an evening, evening with Dick. Just have yeah. an evening. Yeah. I, I think that it would do you a lot of good. You know what? Have you ever felt <laughs> like you're missing something? Like a plastic bag <laughs> floating through the wind. <laughs> Yeah, like that. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe this is what you're missing. Maybe, Maybe. just watching Tracy Zooms in. Like, this sounds like Warren Beatty goes to Comic Cons dressed as Dick Tracy and then like it's literally doesn't what bring it is. That's literally yeah. what it is. Yeah. Only there's like there's an odd artistry and self-awareness to it. Okay. Like he is aware of how ridiculous it is that he has to make these things. 
every 15 years to be able to retain the rights oh, for something that he might not okay, ever actually do. There is this like, like in Tracy zooms in not to spoil anything. Okay. Yeah. Please don't spoil Tracy zooms in for me but, or any of the listeners. No, seriously. But like, <laughs> I'm telling you it's life changing. Okay. In Tracy Zooms In, there are multiple characters who are zooming in from multiple locations. Dick Tracy is obviously one of them, and he is portrayed by the great... Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty, yes. Yeah, okay. Also, zooming in is Warren Beatty himself. Oh, yes, that's okay. Talking to... Yeah. Dick Tracy. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's very good. Sense. It's very good. And I won't say any more outside of that. Oh, damn. We spent a lot of time on Dick Tracy talking about <laughs> nonsense. Um, but I mean, like the, the similarities between Dick Tracy and Darkman, as far as like how they connect to the Batman 1989 resurgence are very similar. It's the Danny Elfman score, mm-hmm. the kind of heightened... Um, like not so much gothic in this one, but just kind of like the matte, like the matte photorealistic kind mm-hmm. of backgrounds and stuff like mm-hmm. that. The general yeah, energy, big, right? Your big set, uh, big set action sequences. Like you have like like the Batmobile action sequence, very similar to the ending car scene where they just shoot all the mobsters, which yeah. is like which is great. <laughs> I'm glad they just kill everybody at the end. <laughs> makes it hard to make a sequel. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Dustin Hoffman, similar. Dustin Hoffman, insane, insane waste of him. In this. I mean, I love because like Just, I, I think I about know, it in the same way. It's like it, it, it's another movie that Dustin Hoffman's in. Like in Hook, um, you know about Glenn Close playing like a pirate. Oh, really? That gets tortured like at the beginning, like the Boo Box pirate. That's it. That's it. And she like has almost no lines. She's made up to look just like another like man pirate, and she's like no, like that. It's like kind of funny. And I was talking to Diana about it, about Dick Tracy, and I was like, yeah, Dustin Hoffman is Mumbles, and she's like, Dustin Hoffman's in that movie. I was like, yeah, Dustin Hoffman, he's Mumbles, and I showed her a picture of Mumbles, and she's like, oh my god, that is Dustin Hoffman. Like, I feel like people don't understand that that's Dustin Hoffman. But it really comes across like when he starts like talk, where he's just, like, "Big boy, he did it." Was wrong. Yeah, Made it yeah. Back. That that scene too, where he's like slowing down, like the audio from Mumbles, like "Big boy did it." Big boy did it. <laughs> it's it's great. It's good. It's I don't know, man. And then James Conn's in there for a second too. I, it's so. Fun. I like that he doesn't have any makeup. <laughs> that he's just James Caan. And they're like, well, no, you don't got to put any makeup on James Caan. One, he probably showed up for a single day and was like, you're not putting any of that fucking shit on me. <laughs> yeah. And two, you're like, well, it's James Caan. Like, you know, just don't hide him. Yeah. Put it out there. Right. Yeah. But they hide Al Pacino and Dustin Hoffman. And Madonna. <laughs> and Madonna. Yeah, she's got that burger right up. Oh, yeah, she's got Meatwad voice for half the movie. <laughs> it's pretty good. Tell you, boys, he's going down. It's good. Uh, yeah. And then Meatwad voice, good for you. And then Dick Tracy, he's why is he why is he two time in his dame? 
He's not. not. Cool. He's not. He's a conflicted gentleman. <laughs> We've all been there. That's just Beatty being like, well, look, if I could get Madonna to kiss me on screen, sure, why not? I, I uh, truly, <laughs> I truly think that that's, he's the director and he's the producer. He cast Madonna. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and he helped write this goddamn thing. Whoever this cash fellow is. Yeah. Like, he was just like, well, just make sure, like, there's a scene where make we get sure to pack yeah. one on. And he's a director, too. Who knows how many takes they made? <laughs> well, I saw in the in the trivia, uh, Pacino said that Madonna flashed him on set, and he was like, "Oh, it's the best." Uh, when I'm dying, I'll remember that. Good for him. Yeah, <sighs> it's hard to think about Pacino talking about this movie not looking like Big Boy. <laughs> like you have to remember that Pacino was actually a very good-looking guy. Yeah, yeah. No, you have to have kind a, of remove that Jay Leno chin. Yeah, like oh. I'm having a thought. Do, uh, oh. The end, the end when he gets tricked into kidnapping and they have the exchange where he's like, I'm not kidnapping. kidnapping that's a federal offense. Yeah, it's the, it, I think that that's really fucking funny. Like that's it's the so thing. Is like, I think that this movie is, is uh, grounds for arrest. I don't know who you arrest. <laughs> Somebody yeah. must be held accountable, but who do you, who do you point the blame on? Like, I don't want to, this is like a, it's like, do you just arrest one person from a cult? Or do you arrest all 50 of them? You can't just take all 50 of them in. No, it's one of those scenarios where you arrest them, you make them go through the whole trial. And then at the end you say, I think just going through the system has been enough punishment for you. So, (laughs) well, I think Warren Beatty's the one that didn't make it out of that because uh, his uh, career after this is um, uh, it's not good. Ishtar as well? Was that before this? Oh, Ishtar is way before this. Ishtar is 80s. We know that from from the far side and that being like the punchline to many far side comics. Oh yeah, Ishtar is um, a bad bad movie. It's that's where like my defense mechanism comes in where I'm just kind of like it's by the time that I saw it I had heard how bad it was mm. and I thought I was going to watch the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And it's just more of a calamity. You're like, "Oh, none of this is working." Uh-huh. And everything about this is toxic. But it's <laughs> still a movie. And looks you know? better than most movies that are made now. Like, sure. it looks yeah. great. So Someone tried. There's a lot of people that tried. Yeah. In Ishtar. You know, it... Uh, it, it you, you can't... <laughs> you can't... <laughs> Jeez Louise. I have been uh, reading a lot about um, uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller recently, too. So I got to get in on that. Have you What's ever seen that? McCabe and Mrs. Miller? Mm-mm. Ooh. Radical Robert Altman movie. Okay. So yeah, good. I, this, um, this era is a little bit... You're going to find a lot of gaps in, in this oh. era for movies I've seen. Yeah. Very cool. No. Yeah. It's all good. It, it, it's okay to learn stuff. Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. A lot of these movies are like stupid child things <laughs> that I have watched just because I'm like, I have to watch every Elaine May movie. Oh, oh, Ishtar, okay. I'm doing it. I'm watching yeah. it. Yeah. 
Um, you got any other uh, fun notes on uh, Dick Tracy? No, I th- I think we got them all out. You got everything that you wanted to shake out? Yeah. Well, then, it's time again for everyone's favorite segment of Overdrinkers, where we go to the nano genres, similar yeah. films on Letterboxd. All right, this one is... Ooh. All right, this one's intense. Uh, all right, so uh, Miller's Crossing. Have you seen Miller's Crossing? Mm-mm. Uh, that is a Coen Brothers movie. Oh. Uh, Gabriel Byrne, Albert Finney. Um, it's a fantastic movie. It's one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. Uh, okay. You should watch that movie. That's a good movie. Okay. See, unfortunately, this is what's going to happen with these. Because they're yeah. always going to pick weird fucking movies. Uh, it's it's titled Gangster Shootout Loyalty. <laughs> Yo, this I have seen. That's Dick Tracy. That's Dick Tracy's uh, subgenre, nano genre. Oh, okay. I thought that was a movie. Yeah. No, no, no. No, that's <laughs> gangster shootout loyalty. Yeah, yeah colon, no, gangster uh, shootout colon loyalty. I mean, this thing's got like the normal, like the normal, the original Scarface, the normal Scarface. Okay. Uh, the Public Enemy, White Heat. The Roaring Twenties. Yeah, so this is just like kind of picking up from like all of the movies that inspired Dick Tracy. Mm. Little Caesar. Uh, Untouchables. You seen Untouchables? Not in a long time. It's a good movie. Yeah. Great score. Yes. Yeah. That's Morricone, right? Or no, is that Once in Time in a Month? No, that's, that's Once in No, no, you're right. No, it that's, is? that's Ennio Morricone. Yeah. I yeah. fucking love that goddamn score. Scarface. Scarface, I've seen. Public uh, Enemies. The Depp one. Yeah. Oh, I, haven't, I didn't see that. Michael Mann. Oh, that that was Michael Mann? Oh, come on, baby. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm not, you know, I'm not come into on, Johnny baby. Depp. I was, I, oh, no, I, I was always on the right on, baby, side of like, Johnny you didn't Depp. know that. I was like, come on, baby. Like, yeah, that's Michael Mann. That's the man. That's Michael Mann. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's more fun is like kind of just like scrolling through and like picking yeah, instead of being like, have you seen The Roaring Twenties? <laughs> which I have not seen. Uh, 1939, directed by Raoul Walsh. Mm. The Land of the Free Gone Wild. The heyday of the Hacha. The shot crammed days G-Men took 10 whole years to lick. Jesus. <laughs> Movies were different back in the day, man. It was, yeah, it was uh, TCM type, uh, type movies. After World War One. Armistice Lloyd Hart goes back to practice law. Former saloon keeper George Holly turns to bootlegging and out of work Eddie Bartlett becomes a cab driver. Eddie builds a fleet of cabs through delivery of bootleg liquor and hires Lloyd as his lawyer. George becomes Eddie's partner and the rackets flourish until love and rivalry interfere. Okay. Looks really it's good. It's crazy that liquor was banned for like James Cagney 20 years Humphrey Bogart uh, I love the bogey who's Good the names. girl who's the girl uh, Priscilla Lane not bad I don't know. hey I Gladys George is in there too not bad okay open as a, a bogey Bacall <laughs> joint it's really funny that uh, I'm looking at like the the cast and it's literally Priscilla Lane and Gladys George are the only two women it's just a bunch of really creepy black and white men <laughs> pictures of black and white men 
They're just normal men. <laughs> They're just innocent men. Just innocent men. Just innocent men. I had to look up to make sure that wasn't one of the hobbits. I really thought that it was uh, one of the hobbits that's like that did the voice. Like maybe that was before or after the movies. I thought that that was like uh, 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 Mary. It sounded like his voice. Oh, the the dog, mm. the normal men, innocent men dog. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was. Uh, what's, it does kind of sound like um, uh, Dominic Monaghan. Yeah, yeah, that's his name. Yeah, just normal men. <laughs> They should, they should this, dub that in. This came up a lot in the podcast that I was recording earlier today, too, actually. I kept making that joke. Oh. And so they'll be split out by like three weeks so, when they come out. No, I think they're coming out the same day because they're oh, both that's good. Patreon exclusives. <laughs> That'll be fine. Hello, everybody again. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, the next movie that we're going to talk about is you know we've talked about dark man a movie that i absolutely love dick tracy a movie that i respect (laughs) but now we're going to talk about a movie that i grew up with i watched a lot when i was a kid and every time i've revisited it like every five years or so i think for me just gets better and better Okay. Uh, I know that our initial conversation about what the first three movies we're going to talk about, I got a little bit of sass from you. I no, on this, no, 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 we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Excuse me. It's my time to talk. <laughs> I think that I have let you talk a lot during this, ep- this episode. And I think if you could just please give me a moment to get a word in edgewise, please. Uh, it is your show. <laughs> we're going to talk about The Rocketeer. Uh, the Rocketeer is uh, 1991. So both Dick Tracy and Darkman were 1990. This is 1991. Um, we're getting a little bit further away from the Batman 1989 of it all. Uh, but this one, I think, is one of the most directly kind of like this thing was greenlit because of the success of Batman 1989. Um, in the spring summer of 1989 when that movie came out. Uh, it stars teen heartthrob Billy Campbell, heir to the Campbell Soup franchise. Uh, Jennifer Conley, who always looks like she's 10 years older than she actually is. <laughs> I think in this mm-hmm. movie she's ac- I think in this movie she was 19. I was thinking she had to be like she's not, very like, young. Because you think about Labyrinth, like she's like 16, 17 in Labyrinth, and this movie's only a few years later. Uh, it's got Alan Arkin and uh, uh, Timothy Dalton. Paul Servino, again, popping yep. up. Uh, Terry O'Quinn. Stacked. Stacked cast. And uh, if you don't know what The Rocketeer is about, uh, it's um, a... Uh, pre-World War II, kind of late 1930s uh, tale of uh, an, uh, an aviator pilot who is uh, trying to, like, make meat's end with a little buck and uh, comes across a rocket pack uh, designed by Howard Hughes himself, played by Terry O'Quinn, uh, and uh, decides to become somewhat of a superhero uh the thing i love the most about the rocketeer is that 
it's got all of the makings of a superhero origin story, but it doesn't have any of the payoff. Like he never actually fully learns how to operate yeah. this thing. Like he never actually completely masters it. He's always like kind of fumbling around and fucking up. And the movie ends with like a little bit of like a wink, wink, like, Ooh, maybe there'll be a second one. And there wasn't. Um, but the most interesting thing about the Rocketeer, much like Sam Raimi directing dark man. And then, you know, 12 years later, making one of the greatest, uh, superhero movies of all time, if not the best superhero movie of all time. The Rocketeer is directed by Joe Johnston, who directed, uh, you know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, very good movies, but eventually went on to direct Captain America, colon, The First Avenger, which I argue is the best origin story superhero movie in the MCU maybe behind Iron Man because Iron Man just has so much to it but like the first Avenger is just like mm, like what a movie and there's a lot of this movie in there too because it one takes place around the same time but just like has mm -hmm. a lot of the same sensibilities that kind of like there's like an aw shooks like kind of you know yeah. like old world kind of just like yep. There's there there's like a there's a there's a retro emotion that's going on in the Rocketeer that is present shit at that point close to twenty years later. Yeah, what first Avenger was yeah, first Avenger was two thousand eleven. So yeah, twenty years to the dot. There you go. Wow. Um I love the Rocketeer. I think that this movie is just uh paced out so correctly in everything that it has to do. I think that it is pulpy in the way that it needs to be and that it it's, it's self-aware of its goofiness. And I think it's, it embraces its goofiness so much, like to the point where like, you're like, how would they make that mask? How would they make that helmet? And it's like, you just see him. They have a whole scene that's dedicated to like, he sawed like a radio, like a bronze radio apart <laughs> and built this thing in a night because he's a madman. I love that shit. What do you think about the Rocketeer, Tim? Uh, you said I was being sassy about it. I you were being only, sassy. I shared an anecdote in that when I was a kid, I just had a... Uh, distaste for it. I had I don't even know if I ever saw it I just remember that my mom had wanted to see it and I didn't want to I think maybe that the mask offended me in some way as a kid maybe it scared me maybe it just I didn't like it I think there's something about the mask that turned me off to watching it um, so I didn't watch it and then I called my mom before this episode and was like mom what I'm sorry I, I didn't want to watch the Rocketeer I know you really <laughs> like that movie uh, and she said, what movie? I said, The Rocketeer. You know, there's a guy with the Did you bug the your mom helmet. about this? Oh, no. And then she was like, I don't really remember. I, I guess I, yeah, I guess that sounds like something I would have liked. <laughs> yeah, you said, uh, I just pulled it up. Um, I'll be interested to watch The Rocketeer, uh -huh. comma. Comma. I know I saw it, comma. Or parts as a kid. And have like... A visceral distaste for it ever <laughs> since. So, okay, sassy. No, 
that's not, that's just being honest. That's not sad. That's not saying Mike. I don't want to watch no, no, no. this. If movie. you had said like I, I have like a distaste for it ever since, that's one thing. You put visceral uh, in know, there. That's I, not a word that you just like throw out all willy nilly. It is. I'm, I'm I was a taken aback. I was taken aback. <laughs> and then you follow that up with like I don't even know why. So in your defense, you're like, yeah. Why did I vote for Trump? Like why? Like like that kind of thing. Like it it kind of comes across like that. I just have a you know I don't really I don't dig steampunk that much either. This has a lot of steampunk okay. aesthetics. Yeah. yeah. You I feel like you would be the guy that would dig steampunk too. No. Get no. a 3D printer. Like isn't that like the whole thing? No, that's not no steampunk is like if I would like brass fittings, not a 3D printer. All right. Yeah, but you can make yourself brass fittings with a 3D printer if you got into steampunk. Uh all right, we're getting off topic. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so no, when you said to, to kind of carry on this conversation, um, you said, uh, I don't even know why. And I said, yeah, comma, that's crazy, comma, that movie <laughs> fucking rules, period. Joe Johnson, baby. What, and then I followed it up with one of the greatest things that has ever happened in the history of cinema is young Marvel hiring the dude that directed the Rocketeer to direct the first Captain America. A blessed event. And you replied with the go-to Tim Irwin response, which I always love when I get it. Which is, that's really interesting, exclamation point. <laughs> And then our next text, I think, was like, our next text was 10 days later when we started playing all of this. I was, I was going to watch the movie. I don't know. Did you like it? Yeah, I thought it was good. It's a good movie, right? I mean, Timothy Dalton was my favorite. Body. I love it. He's, he's so sweaty in this. It's amazing. It's So Timothy Dalton, let's start with him. I did not realize until this last time that I was watching it that this is in the period between uh, Timothy Dalton as Bond and Brosnan as Bond. Like, this is, like, as far as anybody knows, Timothy Dalton is Bond. He was going to, he was, he could potentially have done another Bond. Yeah, he could have. Like, it's possible. Like, it it could have happened. Uh, So that's really weird that they're like, well, he's this bad guy. And, and then Nazi retroactively in that too, hot fuzz. Yes. Where he's the bad guy in that. And he's kind of playing the same character. It is a very in, similar. It's character. very and similar. Look it's crazy that he looks the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, black don't crack, man. Like he's just like, <laughs> he looks amazing in this movie. And he's like this person of like kind of privilege and power within like the kind of small little bubble that they've created in like mm-hmm. LA in this one mm-hmm. and same thing in hot fuzz. Like he's like this, like, Oh, I'm the, I'm the hottest man in the town, you know, kind of thing. And it's, it's just, and he's got the same mustache. It's like mm-hmm. anytime Timothy Dalton wants to play a bad guy, he just like puts on that mustache. Well, yeah, it's funny how he like, he is so handsome as Bond, but he's like, he's ugly in this movie, like in a very like, yeah, just he looks like a nasty guy. Well, he's got like that kind of old world, like he's, I mean, you know, it's, uh, who's, who's he supposed to be again? Good Lord. I got this. Check my notes here. Hold on a second. Um, 
Oh my goodness, this is embarrassing. His character name is that what you're? No, uh, he's supposed to be. He's he's like an. Uh, I mean, allegory and metaphor are both like the wrong words, but he's like he's supposed to be um, Errol Flynn. Oh, that's what, okay. I get to where you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like a swashbuckler, swashbuckler actor, kind of actor. You know, but you, yeah. you also know that Errol Flynn was suspected of being a Nazi spy. Oh. You know, so and but it was like these allegations that were never proven. They're most likely not correct, but like there was like this kind of tabloid, like you know what tabloids were back then. Of mm-hmm. like, oh, Errol Flynn is like this man up about town that is like, he's sleeping with all of these like prestigious women and meeting with all of these, you know, prestigious men, but he's gathering intel secretly for the Nazis, like kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so this movie is like, kind of like proposing like, what if that was true? And like, I haven't, much like Darkman, and honestly... A lot like Dick Tracy, I haven't read any of these comics. Like, I am not really familiar with, like, the source material. Mm-hmm. I have just, like, seen pictures and images. I've read a couple, like, Wikipedia entries and reviews and comparisons and stuff. Um, so I'm not exactly sure if, you know, Timothy Dalton's character, Neville Sinclair, fantastic name, <laughs> is like based off of like an actual character from the comics. Like if they were actually doing that back then, or if it's like kind of like, like an invented character. Yeah. Like they're just like, well, we're kind of doing this thing and we want to make a commentary on this and we're doing that. Yeah. Um, But uh, one of my biggest takeaways from the Rocketeer watching it this time is that of like uh, the main cast, like let's say like, Top six build. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking Terry O'Quinn, Paul Servino, Timothy Dalton, Alan Arkin, Jennifer Conley, Billy Campbell. I'd sleep with any of them. <laughs> and I'm not saying like those actors. I mean, the characters in this mm-hmm. movie, they all seem like loving people that I could be in a relationship with. Obviously, Timothy Dalton's. Mm, Mm. you're just gonna have to come to terms with that but it's 2023 nazis are everywhere you know kind of figure it out and paul servino you know his character is like a bad guy in the movie but he's a business owner but he's got that amazing moment at the end of the movie where he's just like no no hold on a second you're working for the nazis ah no 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 i'm not fucking doing that i'm a businessman fuck this that's like my favorite that that is a that the team up at the end is great. Yeah, you're saying if if any of them came into the the pug bar, the pug diner, they might they might pull you. I mean, they could, you know, if they play the cards right. Yeah. I'm not an easy catch, but like I have my slut nights. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I got nights where I'm just kinda like, well, who we got? But I'm picky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would take any of these six. Terry O'Quinn would probably be my top. I'm not saying that he would be the top in the situation. I'm just mm. saying he would be my top. That would be your, pick. Yeah, yeah. your pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The, I was watching this movie with uh, Diana, and she had seen this movie before. Um, much like you, um, she was uh, aggressively dismissive. 
but also she also had this uh she 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 was like I used to watch this movie with my dad all the time. My dad would always put on the Rocketeer. And we watch it all the time. I have fond memories of watching the Rocketeer. Um you know what? And actually, I don't know if she was as dismissive as you, because you were really dismissive. Yeah. I so was, like, yeah. she maybe I, wasn't like at yeah. your level, because like you were mm-hmm. like Chernobyl yeah, like, I, level dismissive. Yeah, I hate, I hate this you. Viscerally, <laughs> yeah, dislike. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when Terry O'Quinn's character comes in, and he's talking, he's doing his thing, he's talking about aviation. And then somebody calls him Mr. Hughes. Diana turned to me. She was like, wait, is he supposed to be Howard Hughes? And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, isn't Howard Hughes insane? And I was like, well, yeah, yeah but like, that's the aviator. That's the real life Howard right. Hughes. This is that's like, not the Disney in the 90s version of Howard Hughes. Well, yeah. I, I think about it like, you know, in in the comic strips, like how would you present mm-hmm. Howard Hughes as like this kind of like, you know, he's the Morgan Freeman to Christian Bale's Batman. Like he's, he's, a, he's the like guy Edison. that builds the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you would just kind of present him as more of like a stable, like fatherly figure mm-hmm. instead of being like, uh, I got to wash the hands. and mm, <laughs> got to wash the hands. And, mm, mm. Yeah. Way of the future. Yeah. Way of the future. Way of the future. Have you seen The Aviator? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Tim, that's one of my, fa- that's my favorite Martin really? Scorsese movie. Really? That's my favorite. That one got panned. Did it not? It didn't go over well. I mean, it got nominated for a bunch, uh-huh. you know, it's kind of like Dick Tracy in that way, you know, uh-huh. it, it came out and it was from like an esteemed director. So a lot of good actors in it, got some Academy Award nominations, didn't win too many. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the reasons that I really hate. Um, I mean, this is kind of, wow, naturally coming back to New Zealand. This is why I don't like a. Return of the King because Return of the King stole Mm. Martin Scorsese's best director and best picture for the aviator. Interesting. Yeah. Look, PJ deserved it. PJ deserved it for one of them. No, he deserved it for the first one. Okay. Well, it's an amazing film. Make up. What do you want to fight about it right now? (laughs) Yeah, let's go. (laughs) I don't know. Do you want to pause the the recording? Like, I I don't know. You've seen both. I don't know what to tell you. We try to keep this. Look, I know that you've been on like story screen reports and you've been on like episodes and stuff with like Robbie and stuff in the past. I need you to remember what it's like to be on an overdrinkers episode with me. We keep this shit fucking tight. Mm. Can you do that for me? Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah. Excuse mm-hmm. me? Yeah. Oh, you can. Yeah. Yes, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, none of the overdrinkers have ever gone at two hours over <laughs> because you, both hosts are smashed. <laughs> Certainly the, the Mama Mia one or the James Bond ones have never gone over. Ever. No. No. You got to keep this shit fucking tight, man. Otherwise, you yeah. lose listenerships. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you got in your notes for uh, Rocketeer, man? This one had another uh, really good um, stunt sequence uh, that was very, very obviously a stunt sequence, but I very much enjoyed it. Like when he's first using the pack and he f- goes onto the plane mm-hmm. and then falls off the plane and Bad. then goes back on the plane Dude, and then falls off like the plane. He keeps like falling off like the, the yeah, learning. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's like great because you're like, oh, that's like, all right, so that's a stunt man wearing a parachute and he's climbing on the plane and then they tip him off and then the, it cuts and then he pulls the chute and then they reset and they do it again. And, you know, it's you can tell the cuts, but it, it's, it's really fun that that's in the movie because those don't happen that much anymore. Yeah. And there's no, yeah. and there's like nothing wrong with like telling the cuts and stuff like that. Like yeah. seeing like, no, where, yeah. like I love like the superimposed like images and stuff like that. Whenever they do that kind of like green screen backdrop mm-hmm. kind of stuff, I'm like, that's charming. Mm-hmm. Especially with something like the Rocketeer, which, you know, it's made in 1991, but it's kind of throwing back to like movies of the 30s and the 40s. So it's kind of fun and energizing and will never age. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way that like Darkman or even Dick Tracy yeah. or Batman will where, well, not even Batman, like Batman's kind of like also stuck in that idea of like, this is the 50s, even though it's made in the 80s and it do- it doesn't take place in the real world. It's never said what year it is. It just kind of feels like late 40s, early 50s, kind of like Chicago you know, gothic mm. style kind of stuff. So yeah. it's like, it'll never get old because you're like, well, no, it takes place back then, but you don't know when then is with the Rocketeer. Yeah, no one has a pager. Yeah, it, right. Yeah. yeah. No one is like, yeah. eh, cell phones and like, have you heard about Charlie Sheen? Like, they're not doing that. And it's the same with the Rocketeer. Like, it's really fun that they're kind of placing themselves like firmly in that kind of 30s mentality and aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Even though, again, like it's 1991, they're using state-of-the-art technology. They're still two years away from like CGI revolutionizing everything with, you know, Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. So it's like every time there's like a practical stunt, like the one that you're talking about, and you can see that that is a person falling off of a plane or a person hanging on to a plane. And... Even when they cut in between it and it's like, no, that, all right. So like, that's an actor and they're kind of like compositing that into a background with like a bunch of explosions and stuff like, and you can see like the, like the, the black matte line all around yeah. them. You're still like, there's something charming about it. Yes, I agree. And I also feel like, you know, this movie was made 11 years after Empire Strikes Back. And they fixed all those problems. If you can spend enough money, you can make that shit look cleaner. And I feel like this movie was just like, look, we're going to make it look good, but we don't need to make it look perfect because that's kind of the point, you know? And like that makes the movie last a little bit longer, I think, like in the idea of like, oh, well, now we have CGI, we have all of this stuff. But it's like, well, this movie was made in 1991, pre the CGI revolution, but also, it's hearkening back to how movies were made yeah. fifty years it's, before it's, that. It's yeah. set in old Hollywood. It's got a it's got a real adventure serial feel to it. Yeah, it's okay if it look when they're driving, it looks like they're behind a a, a projector. There's a projector behind them. Yeah, in a, in a, a car that's moving still. And you also, know? like it's fine in yeah. the scene that you're talking about. Like he he gets to the plane. Like he flies up to the plane. He gets to the plane. He drops off. He flies back up, he gets to the plane, he drops, like they keep doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, well, we'll just do it once. He'll get up to the plane, he'll save them and like, that'll be all the money. They do it like five times because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and keeps falling off. Yeah, and you, and you can appreciate like when you can see the technical work that goes into it, you appreciate that scene. Yeah. Yeah. 
They had to they had to do they had to fly a guy up on a plane like four or five times to get this shot. That's that's great. I mean, plus like that suit just looks great. It it is a cool suit. I I still it's not my taste, but it is. Yeah, you don't like steampunk. Yeah. <laughs> Did you play uh, Bioshock? Yeah, Bioshock was cool, but Bioshock's more like a little Art Deco-y. Than, Did you play uh, this is Bioshock three? No, I didn't play that one. Oh, that one's extremely steampunk. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what do you? What else you got in your notes? Uh oh, that boob shot is crazy. Boob shot. You don't see that very much anymore. Uh, when they're out to dinner and uh, Jennifer Connelly is at the table, and uh, it's they introduce. Timothy Dalton introduces her to the owner of the restaurant, who's like maybe also a Hollywood guy. Oh yeah, they, they dropped he, his name, and he gives her. He's supposed he's to like, be like some kind of like studio exec or something. Yeah, he's like mm-hmm. he's like charmed, doubly charmed, and then they just pan down to boobs. I was like, you know, I mean, this is the thing. You know, um, it's probably not something that me and you should talk about as two men, but uh, yeah. me and Diana discussed. They were like, did Jennifer Conley get? boob reduction because like they are massive i mean that in a very (laughs) polite way in labyrinth and in this movie the earlier films that jennifer conley were was in they are gigantic they look like so much fun i totally get it but i guarantee it was a burden on her and they don't look as big these days and, and which is absolutely fine. Like breast reduction is a thing that anybody should get if they feel like if they can afford it and they feel like it's a healthy decision for them to make, go for it. I'm just saying that, good Lord, my woman, why wouldn't you grab on to that? Like, like in the movie? I just thought it was because like, especially this being a Disney uh, movie, I just thought that was a wild shot. I mean, for, th- uh, so this is another conversation that I had checked off that I definitely wanted to have. Like the difference between Disney now and Disney mm-hmm. then. Disney back then. So here's the big thing is that Disney did not have a franchise at that point. Like Disney was itself like a company. They made animated films. Everybody went to go see them. They had just kind of hit gold with like the Little Mermaid. They were about to get going with the Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. But they didn't have like a franchise. And that was like something that uh, Batman 1989 like really kind of taught all the other studios Mm. was like there is like you can make a franchise off of a singular character based off of pre-existing work. All you have to do is buy the rights. And that's why everything got bought up like immediately, which is why we don't have a fantastic four movie right now because like everybody just bought up the rights and they got to make like a bullshit movie every 10 years or whatever. Um, But back then Disney was a completely different company and the big thing is Touchstone Pictures. Mm-hmm. You know Touchstone Pictures. You remember that, right? Like the da 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 and like the lightning bolt and like the yeah. little blue square. The, the yeah. circle. Yeah. So Touchstone Pictures was supposed to be Disney's like, quote unquote, like adult brand. Oh, okay. Like that was supposed yeah. to be their more like adult oriented fare. Like, but even something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. 
which is like is a little risque. It's not for mm-hmm. kids, especially, but kids could still enjoy it. That was Touchstone. Got it. And they kept using that all throughout. And I swear to God, Rocketeer was a Touchstone movie when it came out. But now when you're watching it on, like, what what did you watch Rocketeer on? I watched it on Disney Plus. You watched it on Disney Plus, right? Yeah. And there was no Touchstone. I can't remember. There wasn't. No, no, there wasn't. No, because I, no? I yeah. watched it on Disney Plus too. And I was like, wait, I thought this was a Touchstone movie. And I'm pretty fucking sure it was. It might not have been. Hey, I'm going to throw my hands up and I'm not going to check. But Disney back in like the late 80s, early 90s, they weren't like the the Disney that we have today. That's yeah. like very careful quadrant and variant oriented of like wh- what goes where and how can we get everything going and like make sure to not piss anybody off, which – they still do by not by trying to not piss people off. Right. So it's okay to like give a little shot of some, uh, you know, um, some clavage. Or what's clavage. There's a word. I, uh, that's what I was trying to think of. Like there's like a there's like a euphemism for. Well, in in comics, it's called. It's cake. Uh, it's I don't know if it's shortcake or if it's. No, no, there's a no, there's a thing in in comics like in in Dick Tracy or maybe not Dick Tracy, but like in um in newspaper comics or anything like that, there's there's a word for when you have a shot like that. And I I want to say it's like shortcake or something. Cheesecake, I don't know. There's a term for it. I like the term cake a lot. Yeah. It's cake. Yeah, it's cake. You know, when they show the cake yeah, when you get you get the little piece of cake, the thing yeah. that everybody wants a piece of, right? Like that's yeah. that's where that comes from. Oh, Jesus, um, oh boy. Well, it's interesting that you brought up the other Disney stuff, though, because when you do search for Rocketeer on Disney Plus, you get their CG Rocketeer with like the little girl who's a Rocketeer now, and then on what's that? Some, they they have like a little CGI like kids show Rocketeer. That if you they? search for Rocketeer on Disney Plus, there's there's this kids version of of the Rocketeer. That sounds fucking great. Where they where this this is now one of Disney's properties. You know, oh, like like I said, you look know? at this. Yeah. And what what else they had in Wikipedia was when they were doing What If Marvel's What If, they thought for a second that they would put the Rocketeer in one of Dude, those. Dude, this girl looks like a dang ass fun time. <laughs> Kit Seckard learns she's secretly next in line to become the Rocketeer, a rocket pack wearing superhero who can fly. Yeah. Network Disney so, Jr. came out in 2019. So this is part of their stable now. You know, they, they had it in the 90s, hadn't done anything I with it since. I truly now... wish that I had known about this. I would have watched all of these. There's only 42 episodes. Only. <laughs> Well, God, those episodes are probably like, what, 15, 20 minutes long? Yeah, probably. Probably 22. Oh, my goodness. Kit looks like an absolute star. (laughs) Wow. Have you looked at any images uh, from this? Uh, No. I just saw the the thing when I was... um... Yep. That's that's a CG. She looks fantastic. Oh, looks like she's getting a little bit of trouble in this one, but I'm sure she'll pull through. <laughs> All right, keep going. Sorry. Uh, well, no, they they were saying that they were gonna 
they were gonna f- have a what a what if episode with the Rocketeer in it with like maybe the um uh what's what's Cap's girlfriend's name uh uh Peggy Peggy Carter they were when in the Peggy Carter episode they were gonna have maybe a Rocketeer crossover Ooh. but they didn't because then they would have. They would have to have Howard Hughes in the MCU, and they already have Tony Star, the Howard Stark, oh. who's already Howard Hughes. So, oh, you can't combine them too, right? No, they're the same person, you know. Wait, so, why can't we have Howard Hughes in there too? Because if how because Tony the it's Howard is it's Howard Stark, right? That's Tony's dad, Howard. Howard Stark. If he he's Howard Hughes, he's the guy. But what he's, if there's also Howard Hughes? I mean. I don't know. That that's just what Wikipedia said. Is that that would be too confusing if oh, there was fuck. also Howard Hughes and Tony. And, I thought I was talking uh, to you, not Wikipedia. Uh, look, I do this weird thing. But that would have been interesting if if then if they just folded that into MCU, which they could now because you know it they could have, Rocketeer could have been under a different publisher, but now that Disney owns Marvel and Rocketeer, who's to say? Well, they I can't mean, Disney's going to own everything at one point, so yeah. I mean, my my pitch on like how do you continue the Rocketeer franchise like feature film wise? Mm-hmm. Make a direct sequel to this movie, same characters and everything, just recast. And have it take place four or five years after the fact. He's been the Rocketeer for a couple years. He's good at it. He's really good at it. But something comes up. And what is it? World War II, baby. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there is maybe a revival coming. Did you you hear about this? I... mm, No. Go. No? You had... No? Uh, With uh, David uh, Oyelowo... Uh, you might not pronounce it better. David Oyelowo. Um, yep. Yeah. You got it. Uh, about a he's a retired Tuskegee Airman, which that'd be a cool angle. Hell yeah, it would. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I'd be into that. I'm also yeah. like a big proprietor of uh, make white characters black. Yeah. Like right. sincerely, like I'm not joking around. That's not a joke. I'm like, yeah, make make more people black. Well, that's it's cool if he's a Tuskegee Airman because that's that's a really cool part of military and history. And that's fucking awesome. Character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's much more interesting. Just like, ooh, I'm a guy that like you know found this rocket pack and uh, I put gum on it to make sure it doesn't leak. And um, I'm the heir of the Campbell franchise. Can I? <laughs> if can we put on our our my Neil deGrasse Tyson hat and say, uh, is it actually a rocket pack or is it a jet pack? Does it have an air intake? Yes, you can. What are the? What's yeah. the difference? Uh, I believe a rocket is all self-contained. It has oxygen and fuel that mixes in, whereas a jetpack sucks oxygen in and mixes with the fuel, as opposed to having uh, oxygen canister and a rocket. Beautiful. So, which one is this? I feel like he's a jetteer because it looks like the pack has scoops for air intake, mm-hmm. but it also does have two two and two things on it so maybe there is an oxygen and a fuel this is interesting okay yeah uh the specifics that they give us in the movie like they say that it runs off of alcohol instead of gasoline does that have any say in no no that's more the fuel source yeah i guess if i mean i from what i was looking up a rocket is just everything is self-contained Whereas you have you have your two things that mix and then combust and come out, whereas a jet 
has fuel and it also takes in oxygen from from fans in the front. Right. Which to me, it looks like this thing has some vents to take in oxygen. So what you're saying is that we shouldn't believe the news media. Yeah, yeah. It's not a rocketeer, it's a jetteteer. I do like that scene. Like that's like one of my yeah, favorite. That's one of my favorite scenes in like 90s superhero movies where like random news reporters are like, Oh, well, what do you? Hey, 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 hey what yeah. do you call them? Oh, that's no good. Now, now what about this? I'm like, no, what about this? And then, like, one person in the back, or it might be like a kid with a lollipop in the seat in the mm-hmm. back, and we're like, what about Rocketeer? And they're like, yeah, wow, Rocketeer, yeah. yeah. Why not that? A classic scene. Yeah, yeah. that was good. Um, and yeah, the the mob team up, uh, the Tommy guns and the cops. That's that's a great shootout. The end, cops and mobsters versus Nazis. Like, all right, yeah, let's. Go. I mean, that's I I love that ending because it really is just like the like the criminal underbelly that has been like foreshadowing the entire movie. Who you think are the bad guys, and it's ultimately mm-hmm. revealed. Like, no, it's the Nazis at the end. All of a sudden, like the criminals are like. It's not like we're evil or anything. We're all just about business. Fuck this shit. Let's kill these guys. Yeah. Like that's that's like some that's some Soprano shit. Where it's like like two <laughs> teams like kind of come together and it's like, well, mm-hmm. no, we got to stop Ultron. We got to kill him. You remember right. when like the Sopranos family had to stop Ultron? Yes. I do. And they I all had to kind of get over yeah. their own differences mm-hmm. to come together to stop the artificial yeah. intelligence yeah, Ultron. And Tony got yeah. yeah. Tony got the therapist in on it, and she helped analyze Ultron. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm trying to riff on this. I got nothing. No, you got it. <laughs> I got you. I got the best save ever. This is the best thing to ever say. Got any more notes, Tim? On <laughs> no, the Rocketeer. I don't, I don't know if I do. On the Rocketeer, I think I think the Jetteteer. Oh, did you ever play Battlefield One? I liked the. He was I love Battlefield One. Yeah, he's, he's running on top of the blimp when it's blowing up. I did that all the time in that game. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah. I was talking about this with D. Uh, you know, sometimes Diana will be like, why'd you stay up so late last night? You know, and I'll be like, I was saving Harlem. I'm playing mm-hmm. Spider-Man Miles Morales right now. Yeah. Like, I was saving Harlem. She's like, do you think that that's an okay answer? I'd be like, well, I mean, one, saving Harlem is very important. Mm-hmm. It's Harlem. Two, going to bed at 2 a.m., like, is that a big deal? I mean, let's talk about this. See, this is the exclusive <laughs> content stuff that we have back here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Diana's never going to listen to this. No? You don't think so? We can say whatever we want about her. Okay. I'll, I'll drop a code word. <laughs> Do you have anything that you want to say about Diana? Diana, say cauliflower next time I see you if you've listened no, wait, to this. Wait, you're giving her code words? <laughs> yeah. I'm here. That's not going to work. <laughs> uh, gee. Oh, shit. Uh, she's knocking on the door. Oh, no. Oh, no. Huh. Um, oh, all right, all right. Other notes. Uh, uh, Timothy Dalton, uh, his, like, his... His is it one of his final lines when he goes, It wasn't lies, Jenny. It was it acting. Was acting. <laughs> yeah. Was so there's good. like a there's an amazing um it's it's not like disrespect or there's an amazing kind of like Tim Irwin level sass 
thrown towards like acting in this movie like or the general like kind of la yeah idea no, that is yeah. a fun character archetype of like the over serious like full of shit actor yeah is always sort of like i a mean fun... she's jennifer conley's character has that amazing it's just like, i've always wanted to act across from like an amazing actor and then like she tricks him she's like oh yeah. i've always wanted to act across from you and i just did like that kind of thing Yes, yeah, when he's trying to seduce it's her. Cool. And, like, and she's pulling out all of his different lines from his different plays. Yeah. Like, that's great. Oh, yeah. I love that shit, too. Like, yeah, when he's doing it and, and she's like, are you just, like, quoting that line? Does this work <laughs> yeah. for you usually? It's really good. It's good. And uh, the tomato soup bit. Yeah, so he where he puts, where he pours the soup on. It's like, him, a, like yeah. a little spy thing. Which I think is yeah. funny because a lot of the spy stuff is very funny because it's Timothy Dalton, <laughs> you know, right? Like it's right. just like it's just naturally funny, and it, it 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 feels kind of easy to like make those connections. But the movie never really, the movie never seems like it's like actively playing in on that. You know what I mean? Like sometimes movies in the '90s are like, well, we're gonna hire Harrison Ford, and he's gonna do like this weird. Indiana Jones bit real quick as this mm-hmm. side character and and and, wink, and wink. drop yeah, yeah like we get but it doesn't feel like they're doing that it just feels like no. Timothy Dalton was the right man for the job they wanted to do and just naturally the story is just fluctuating around the idea that Timothy Dalton played one of the most if not the most popular spy in the world mm-hmm. and spy stuff is being done around him while he is also a spy, <laughs> but they're trying to make sure that you know that he's a bad spy because he's he sucks at his job. Yeah. And like that, like the note down in the bowl and like the soup and stuff like that, it's just like, mm. it's like Good stupid, stuff. goofy shit that's just so much fun in the moment when you're watching it. And I feel like that that is some of the stuff that gets picked up in in Cap too. In that first Captain America has a lot of like sort of fun gags like that. Yeah, well, yeah. Like when, when he's running out of the uh, in the Rocketeer, when Billy Campbell is running through the kitchen and trying to get to the rocket pack or jet pack. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to like like that's kind of like evocative of. Or just like in Captain America, the first Avenger, like when he's running down the street and he's like mm-hmm. bumping into people and just like trying to get around. and Like there's this. The Rocketeer, like we kind of said, like up front at the beginning in the Rocketeer, it's like an origin story, but he never really fully learns how to control everything throughout it. So all of the series of events that have to do with the jetpack are kind of him like trying to figure things out or grab things and just being like a normal dude just trying to do this. And in the first Avenger, a lot of that movie is him just trying to kind of figure out like, wait, what? How do I? So I'm like super strong now. And yeah, figuring that out, I like do? there's like a whole monta, yeah. like there's a chase sequence, a montage sequence, and a bunch of war sequences where like he kind of figures out like how do I become the Captain America that 
now we all know in all of the mm-hmm. movies. That movie is so fucking good. It's good, yeah. What's I your like favorite it. MCU movie? I think Civil War. Really? Hell yeah. yeah. I, there's something about Civil War that I really dig. It's pretty fucking good. It's got Black yeah. Panther in it. Yeah. Bucky's just um, like, I didn't do anything. Leave me alone. The Bucky, the, the Germany scene with Bucky rips. Where they're, mm-hmm. when Cap first shows up and the SWAT team comes in for him. That, that scene's awesome. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, the Civil War, the Civil War answer. <laughs> fuck. Civil War might be my favorite too. You're right. Because it's all about that Dave Brohl subplot. Um, uh, what's his character's name? Uh, Dave Brohl. He, he's the guy that's orchestrating everything. He's a Baron Baron Zemo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all of that is like how that's like undercut and underlaid underneath everything in that movie and how it all comes to fruition at the end. I always forget. You think Civil War and you're like, oh, that's the one where like they fight in like the fake airport lot. Yeah, it's a, that's a like little, that's like the yeah. worst part of the movie. But like everything else in that movie, like how that movie opens with like the the security footage and yeah, everything. yeah, yeah, ah. and you get that great. You get John Slattery. Yeah, I, I love like anything. Anytime John Slattery's in something, I'm I'm happy. Um, Have you heard that uh, the new Captain America: New World Order is, uh, is a secret Hulk secret movie. Hulk movie? Yeah, I I don't know, man. I'm I'm as fatigued as anyone else. I mean. Uh, is is uh is is Thor Ragnarok a secret Hulk movie? Yeah, I mean like, technically, I, yeah. But like, I mean, Ragnarok's like really fun, and and Hulk is really cool in that. I don't like. I just I don't know. I'm just not that into it. Yeah, we're getting off topic right now. I can I can tell. <laughs> okay, wait. All right. So before we sign off, we have to do. Yeah, the classic thing that the, everybody's people have been for. telling me th- while I'm podcasting. They're you telling know, me I've, that they I've been getting tweets after tweets yeah. that yeah. we need to make sure that we at least do it for the Rocketeer. So Saying bring back the letterbox segment. All right, so these are two good ones. All right, so okay, the Rocketeer's similar films nano genres. Is comic book, comma, hero, comma, exciting. Okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the first one up is Batman 1989, which <laughs> I think we've talked about. Yep. We've got that one uh, Next one's Batman Begins. Uh, good movie. Begins is the Nolan one? That's the first Nolan one. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good movie. movie. Yeah. My favorite of uh, the three Nolans. Next up, The Dark Knight. That's the second one. That's the second one. Great movie. Yeah, that one's good too. I mean, yeah. it's fantastic. Agent of film. Chaos, an, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, these are all uh, these are all Batman movies. Um, yeah. So, what do you, Tim? What do you think about uh, uh, the latest, The Batman, The Batman? I haven't finished it yet. Ooh. I started it and then, yeah. What a movie! Fantastic film. I think you're gonna love it. It, it looks cool. It seems... Uh, I like the vibe so far. Batman versus Superman? What do you think? Oh, that one was... Uh, that was something. I don't, I don't know if I like careful. Affleck. Careful. Batman. Be careful. The internet is listening. 
Oh, that's that even got that got a, a release the so the so and so cut for that too didn't it yeah, yeah it got a so and so so and so cut it's fantastic that's a good idea i call them the all caps cuts uh yeah because they're just like Zack snyder it's like it's yelling it at you uh all right so other random ones we got are uh daredevil we talked, we about, talked that. about that a little bit spider-man the yeah. first one good good yeah i like the mcu spider-man's better I, absolutely fine it, makes sense yeah. different tastes yeah you know I, I don't know i just i don't have a lot of uh nostalgia for 2000s most things what about uh what do we got here next uh suicide squad OG, OG, OG. I haven't. Seen, I never saw that one. I saw a second. I saw like the the gun one. It's it, it sucks dick. Uh, and <laughs> like heard. bad, like bad dick. Yeah, like not good dick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Birds of Prey. Fun. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty goddamn good. Uh, it's funny where you where you and McGregor pops up. It fucking is, and like he's clocked in. Like he's actually like he's he's doing it. Yeah. yeah. For a guy that's like, you know, one of the greats, to, for him to show up in as many weird places as he does. Spider-Man 3. Oh, that's the, you know. God. That's the one that that's... everybody doesn't like, but, you know, yeah. it's okay. You know, it's yeah. it's trying. And, uh, oh, ooh, ooh. Wow. Wow. Big one. Superman Returns. Is that... That is the Brandon Ruth Superman, directed by dude that's never done anything wrong, Brian Singer. <laughs> Wait, when did this one come out? Uh, 2007? 2006. This one, is that the one that that failed? Is that like failed the- hard. That's like, because that's not the DC one where the- where he kills the guy. That's not the Snyder one. This is before no, the that's Snyder. Man of Steel. Yeah. That's, yeah. And this is before the Snyder this one. Is before, it was going to start yeah, this something. Is like they, they, this was so bad. This is like didn't. a direct sequel to Superman 2 ignoring, like Christopher Reeve is, stuff, like ignoring 3 and 4. This is Caviezel, right? Cav- is that who Superman was? No, no, no. Superman was Brandon Ruth. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, this is is this the one where just from the in the trailer Caviezel. a bullet hits his eyeball? Wasn't Caviezel a Superman? Who's Caviezel? Jim Caviezel. Oh, Jesus. Jim Caviezel. No, Jim Caviezel was never Superman. He was never Superman. No. I thought he was Superman. I, mean, I can see why you would think that. I thought that he was. Maybe they were just talking about him as being Superman. I don't know. Uh-oh. Is this the one with the trailer where a bullet hits his eyeball and yes. then deforms? Yes, it yeah, is. Okay. Yeah. I remember Superman seeing that. Returns. I think that that movie fucks and it's amazing. Kevin Spacey plays Lex Luthor. That's a good pick. He's a good bastard. It's an unfortunately uh, cursed film because Brian mm-hmm. Singer directed it. Uh-huh. Kevin Spacey is in it. <laughs> and uh Brandon Ruth is like doing the best he can to try to be Christopher Reeve instead of being his own Superman because he was told to do that. Yeah, why would so they 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 threw out two of the, they threw out the they kept one Christopher Reeves movie. This is a sequel to the first Christopher Reeves movie. The first two is what you're saying? The first two. Yeah. Cuz the first two yeah, are good. A- it's like that 
Terminator thing, right? Like they that's a curse. Keep the good uh, right ones, off, yeah. yeah, yeah. It sucks, that, yeah, because like he looks a lot like Christopher Reeve. He like l- like Brandon Ruth as Superman. I think he's fantastic. He's awesome. Him as Clark Kent nails Christopher mm-hmm. Reeve. Clark Kent. It's so fucking good. See. Yeah, that's what we should do. We'll just like scroll through the first one and bump around instead of being like, you have to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that works. With that, I think that's the end. I think so. Yeah. I think we've we've covered it. I think it should be the end. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, do you have anything else to say about Batman 1989, Darkman, Dick Tracy, or The Rocketeer? Uh, no, I mean, these are all interesting because these are things that I'm coming back to as an adult that I was mainly just like aware of when I was younger. So I'm, I'm seeing these for the first time a lot of the, in a lot of the way, Good. uh, in a, in a lot of them. Um, and it, but it's also interesting to see it, like see a nineties movie, uh, in that perspective. Heck yeah, baby. Yeah. And we are going to talk about some more movies coming up. So on the next episode of this special series, which we didn't come up with a name for. Do you have one? Uh, I don't know. I was thinking about the beginning and then we started talking and then I. Yeah, that's usually what happens. So, But on the next episode of. We'll have one. Yeah editor like kind of fill this in yeah uh we're gonna talk about dude like shit i'm so fucking excited about these episodes all right so on the next episode we're gonna talk about the mask the shadow and the crow okay yeah there's some some big ones there big ones big ones especially the phantom i mean the phantom that's going to come in the latter day because that was 96 so like that's going to be judge dread the phantom and spawn are going to be the last episode but uh i'm really excited to talk about the shadow oh that's what i meant to, yeah i kind of mixed up <laughs> i i thought that you were no i wasn't doing put, it putting the spices in <laughs> the, everybody the, the, <laughs> all right yeah we gotta stop we gotta stop this yeah all right uh so thank you guys so much for listening um Rate, review, subscribe. And Tim, thank you so much for joining me. I really hope that you don't go into foreclosure. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that would be great. I, I would like to keep my home. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Mike. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, dude. Love you too. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening.